fundraisers, I'm Don Lenko, and it's time to buckle up once again for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore those hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising and talk about innovative ideas. I am super excited to welcome my next guest. Actually, you all know him. Very familiar face, good friend of One Cause. He's been on our podcast before, our webinars before. We see him every year at Rays and on panels. And basically, whenever we can get a little time from him, we kind of take it. So please welcome to Rays, welcome back to Rays Nation Radio, the one and only Mr. Sean Olds, a co-founder of Boodle. Hi, Sean, how are you? I'm well, Don. Thanks so much for having me back. Really excited to chat today. Yeah, I am too, because it's a hot topic. I'm obsessed. I'm a little AI obsessed. And every time I meet with you, I learn something more. So I hope that's going to happen again today. But for those who don't know you, which I can't imagine is a lot of people in the nonprofit sector, because you're a friend to everyone. But just in case we've got a few people here that are just getting to meet Mr. Sean Olds, why don't you give us the old uh, elevator pitch introduction? Tell us about uh, yourself and Boodle, what you do there, what we're working on currently. And um, let's also make sure we give a nod to all the servicemen out there, as I'd like to give a nod to you and thank you for your service. But Sean, take it away. No, thank you. And I appreciate you starting that way. Whenever whenever I do a, a dinner with a group, uh, one of my first toasts is always to the men and women overseas. May they come home soon and safe. So yep, of thank course. you for that. Um, I'm Sean Olds, uh, co-founder, uh, co-CEO of Boodle AI. I uh, attended West Point. I was a computer science major there. I tell people, though, the languages I programmed in way back when are now taught in the history of computers class. So I actually did not code Boodle. I have a wonderful team that did. Uh, went into the army as you know don couldn't fall out of airplanes properly so the uh, military kicked me out and i went into startups and pretty much for the past two decades have been building startups i took a brief respite after september 11th to return to government service doing counterterrorism work in southwest asia and africa um, but then went back to building companies actually spent about eight years in the middle east and africa uh, doing just that um, as you know the other big thing i've done over those 25 years though is serve on nonprofit boards and that service on nonprofit boards was the genesis of Boodle. Uh, my co-founder and I both had spent more than two decades serving on boards, both had a technology uh, background, and both were extremely frustrated with the lack of technology offered to nonprofits, and uh, specifically in the realm of data science and machine learning. And so in 2016, we founded Boodle, focused on uh, building predictive analytics to help organizations find their donors affinities, um, really focusing in on not just does a person have money, but do they actually care about the cause um, that you and your team is focused on on a daily basis and really cultivating how you bring those people in. Because people today are used to being marketed to by the Amazons and the other big brands out there. It's almost caustic when you go back to a technique that was used 30 years ago. Um, and it doesn't work well. And so we wanted to leverage technology to make it easier for nonprofits to do that. In uh, beginning of 23, as the advent of generative AI came out and AI became cool for everybody, um, we realized there was an amazing opportunity to take everything we had built 
and combine it with generative AI. And as we went down that road, we found that uh, for all the hype of generative AI, it actually is not being adopted as quickly as people would think. Um, even as late as this past November, Sam Altman boasted that there were 100 million weekly active users on ChatGPT. And if you sit in America, you're like, wow, everybody but me is using it. But when you put that in the context of 6 billion people a day go onto the internet, that means less than 2% of the internet population is actually using generative AI. And mm -hmm. McKinley did a study in December said that less than 10% of the workforce is using generative AI. And so we realized there was a really big opportunity to build a tool that allowed for easier adoption, but also allowed for collaboration of teams. And that's what's been really missing is everything up to date has been a very siloed experience for people. And we wanted to find a way to get past that. Am I cheating? And allow your whole team in on what you're doing and really supercharge not only your team, but your organization. And you call that AI co-space or AI co-spacing? Uh, no, so Boodle, so our legacy platform, if you remember, was called Guideon um, under the Boodle AI umbrella. And this is called Boodle Box. Okay. And so it is, we have co-chatting within the, the Boodle Box where people can collaborate with not just their team, but with AIs in, in our, intertwined. Now, it's funny, when you first told me about Boodle Box, um, which I don't remember, was sometime in 2023, um, mm -hmm. I thought you said Boodle Bot, B-O-T, and, um, and then I quickly learned it was Boodle Box. But I thought the definition was like the AI co-space or something like that. Am I off there? It's it's the AI for work teams. Is in, AI in, for work teams. Okay, there we go. You and I talk a lot, so you may have been privy to some of our very early kind of machinations of what we were going to call it. But where we've landed is it's the AI for work teams. AI for work because teams. Because nonprofits is where we started. Um, our first six months of go-to-market is focused on the nonprofit space. Yeah, well, we're glad you are because I have some stats for you and I actually have to put you on the spot. I All hope right. you don't mind, but here goes. So I think we're going to be moving really fast with generative AI. I really do. I think that what, it look, what the landscape looks like today, and it's, it's February. I wish I would have talked to you in January, but you know, January was just a blur. I don't know. The first, first month of the year just goes by in a snap. So here we are mid-February and I have a funny feeling that the landscape of artificial intelligence and how we use it in the nonprofit sector is going to be completely dis different in December, just 11 months. So we're going to chat today. And then I want to take all of the questions that I ask you. Can I have you back in December and re-ask you those questions so that we can see what's changed? Because I have a funny feeling it's going to be mind blowing. What do you think? Are you with me? It will be mind blowing. I'm happy to do it. I will even give you a couple of predictions and we'll see if they came true. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. Sounds good. Well, you know why it, this I, I had this idea as I, I don't know if you're familiar, but one cause does a, two major research studies each year. We do the fundraising outlook in the beginning of the year. So we just came out with that in January. And then we do the giving experience study, like in the June, July area. Well, so they are presenting the research to us in January. And I'm going to throw some stats out to you. Um, 41% agree that AI will greatly benefit the nonprofit sector. 31% disagree that AI is overhyped. 32% aren't sure how to get started with AI. And only 24% in our sector is using it for copywriting assistance. So I'll let some of those, you know, st statistics kind of um, 
sink in a little bit. And then only 10% of nonprofits reported using AI in their fundraising. So as we're being presented with this data from our research study, it was the first time that we asked about artificial intelligence in this annual report, annual study. I said to myself, only 10%, huh? Can we fast forward? Because I can't wait to the fundraising outlook 2025 because I bet 10% is going to be 80%. I mean, that's my prediction. Go ahead, Sean Olds, you're the expert. What do you think? No, look, so um, McKinsey came out with a report last year. 90% of executives say AI will be the key to their success in the next five years. 80% of executives said they're going to need more collaborative tools, especially as they move to more more remote remote workforce. But, and and so the numbers are lagging a little bit in the nonprofit space of the percentages that see success or or not. What's interesting though, is only 10% using AI. McKinsey said the same thing about the entire workforce in the US. Yeah. That only 10% is using it. So there's a huge gap there of what executives are envisioning for their success for their companies. And what is the reality on the ground? And it's one of the big reasons we created BoodleBox. The other stat that um, it would be interesting to put when you do your next report next year is when you ask people if they've adopted, if they haven't, what are the reasons they haven't adopted? And so the numbers, what's really interesting, the number one reason why people have not adopted generative AI is a perception of a lack of skills, not skills in their ability to do their job, but a skill to become a prompt engineer. Because today, ChatGPT and Bard and Claude and all these others, you have to know how to engage it properly to get what you want out of it, right? Most people, when they sit down to the first time to one of these tools, if they've never used it before, they take 20 years of conditioning and they type in Chinese restaurants, right? Because that's what you do when you sit down to Google, right? Google has conditioned us to just type very brief things and we get a bunch of links back. Well, generative AI doesn't do well with that. And so one of the key things we did with BoodleBox is we created almost a thousand utility bots that do very specific things. And so when a person sits down and types into a prompt, I need to type a thank you letter to a a major gift donor, we recommend a series of utility bots that can help. One of them is a thank you letter bot. And what it does is it pops up and it flips the script. Instead of you prompting it, it will ask you, Don, great, who's the letter to? What organization is it coming from? When you give it that information, I'll ask you, well, how much did the donor give? Was this for a specific gift? And so it'll gather the information in a very conversational format. It then in the background builds the prompt, puts it into the, the large language model and gives the donor or the, the gift officer back exactly what they need. And so we're going to over Magic. that statistic Magic. of people being able to adopt more easily. Yeah. Well, you know, we did ask a question. So um, this might be part of the problem. 43%, which is significant, said they didn't know if they had the time or money to implement AI. So I have so many questions for you. I don't know where to begin. Why don't we begin there? Let's talk about the time or the money. Yeah. So number one, the money thing is gone. And here's one of the facts. I know, especially with BoodleBox. Well, not any, BoodleBox or any of the generative AI platforms. And here's the big difference that has happened. There's two big things that have happened in the nonprofit space. The nonprofit space gets gets uh, kind of belittled as the laggards to technology. And some of that's deserved. Um, but two big things have happened in the past four years. One was the pandemic. 
And and I've you've heard me say this before. I think one of the best things that came out of the pandemic for nonprofits is that they accelerated more around the technology adoption curve in the two years of the pandemic than they had the two decades before. Right? They had to learn how to use. Uh, Slack in order to work remotely. They had to learn how to use Zoom in order to do calls. My mother had to learn how to use Zoom. Right. So there's all these new technologies. And so they've become open to, wow, maybe technology is going to do more. The other big problem that, that has plagued nonprofits is technology is usually offered in the form of an enterprise license. And so you've got either an executive director or a board that has to make a decision. That could take six to 12 months to happen. That technology could get aged by then, you know, as, as, as technology evolves. The other problem nonprofits, a lot of them I've seen is they don't involve the frontline people in the decision-making, the people who are actually gonna use the technology. And so now all of a sudden the frontline people get sacked with a technology that may not be exactly what they need. Generative AI has changed that. I, as an individual sitting in a development staff and an operation staff, helping with events, running volunteer management, whatever it may be, I can put a credit card down for $10 a month, the cost of you know a latte or two. And now I've got access to this tool that I can decide how I'm gonna use it. I don't need an executive director or a board to tell me how I'm gonna use it. I decide how it works for my workflows best. As far as the, I don't know if I have the time to do it, um, Generative AI has made it so easy. Like you, you literally, you engage in a conversation. I would almost argue you don't have the time not to not use it. Yeah, I, I'm i with you. I am with you there, 100%. So, How can and, you afford not to save time? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and we're seeing, I mean, I use generative AI daily now. I don't use it weekly. I don't use it monthly. I use it daily. Daily, yeah. And, and I can account for hours every day that I make up because mm -hmm. of the generative AI, things that would have taken me. Great example I'll give you, we have, uh, we just really happy, we had two women who uh, contacted us recently, both of them building businesses, both mm -hmm. of them had, spe had, had specced out about six months they were gonna use to build their business. Because they knew, you know, all the things that they had to get done, building a marketing plan, building a go-to-market plan, building materials. They both said they did it in just over a month using Box. It, that, that Boodle box and the tools that were in there and generative AI, what generative AI does. And it does things like, hey, come up with some ideas for me. Things that used to take us three hours to do, boom, now it comes up with it. It doesn't do it perfectly, but if it took you three hours to come up with a bunch of ideas and you can get those ideas in 30 seconds, now you've got the three hours to really mold those, play with those, grow those out more. Um, one of the big areas we use it is in role playing. Um, I sit down, if I'm about to go meet with an investor, I will feed the system all the information about the no. I'll take all of the public information about that particular investor. I then feed in all the information about Boodlebox, our pitch deck, everything else. And then I tell it, take on the role and start asking me questions. And now I get a bunch of questions. So you're doing a dress rehearsal. It is total dress rehearsal. So nonprofits are using this as they go approach major gift donors, as they get ready to a grant making oh, right. foundation. Right, right. Why not sit down and figure out what questions you're going to get asked ahead of time so you can either preempt them or you can be ready to answer them and just really smoothly answer them. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I agree with you on the time. I think it is the opposite. You can't afford not to leverage um, these tools uh, you may know that one cause is innovator innovating right alongside Boodle. And yeah. we just put um, an auction AI solution into um, our one cause fundraising platform. And it actually helps nonprofits create 
the descriptions and the titles for their auction packages. Now, come on, Sean, you sit on a lot of boards. If you were on a board, what would you want your special events team doing? Do you want them to spend endless hours crafting and writing descriptions for the silent auction? Or do you want an AI tool to be doing that for them while they're going to create an exceptional experience for their donors and stewarding donors and making sure there's a VIP for the hot. What would you recommend as a board uh, director? I, I, I want them using the tool. Now, to be clear, I don't want them to rely on the tool to do it all. And, you know, I want them at there at the end. You want the human machine team. I want them to take a look at your final product and make it better. So um, I, one of the things I hear a lot is complaints when you talk about the stats and why people don't adopt people. A lot of people who have not used the technology have this misnomer that AI is supposed to be perfect. Right? If I put AI in, it's just going to do everything. And so what I try and tell people, especially around generative AI, is think of generative AI like hiring someone out of graduate school. You would not bring someone out of graduate school, sit them at a desk and just tell them, go at it, give them no, no insights on what they need to do. And then at the end of the day, take their work and make it public, right? You're going to sit down, you're going to give it a little bit of information. They're then going to go do the work that you used to do 10, 15, 20 years ago when you, when you came out of graduate school. And at the end of it, you're going to look at it. They're going to get things wrong. That grad student is going to get things wrong. And you're going to tell them what they got wrong and they're going to learn and they're going to get better. And they're going to continually improve. Generative AI, AI does that too, right? It, AI it, is the same yeah. way. Mm -hmm. You continue the conversation with them. You teach them what they did wrong and they will get better. And the next time you approach them, they're going to be even more evolved and better at what they do. Well, that's why we made our tool editable, right? You know, so you feed it the information. It does 85% of the work and then you could edit it and fine tune it, you know, before you publish it. Um, And we're so proud of that technology. It just won a big award. So we're innovating right alongside you because I think we believe in it. just as much as as you do, but I want you to break down Boodle Box for me. Just it's it's a lot, right? There's it, there's. Can you break it down? Let unpack it. What and, and explain to our audience because I think we probably got some people fired up, especially with some of the stats that we've thrown out. And I do believe that we need to get on this bandwagon quickly because those that don't, the gap is going to be huge with how productive um, and how fast other teams are going to be working in comparison to you, right? So you kind of have to get in the game someplace. So they're probably thinking, uh-oh, I got to make the time or the money, even though I'm saving time and it's not costing money, but I've got to do this. Yep. But Boodle Box sounds like it's a little overwhelming. So can you break it down and explain to us exactly what it is? Absolutely. One quick thing, when you talk about getting getting involved, I hear a lot of people say, well, I, I hear AI is coming from my job. And I tell people, I'm oh, like, no. yeah, I, no. but what I tell them is AI is not coming for your job. But a development director or another nonprofit professional who is using AI, they're going to come for your job if you don't use it. Yeah. We, you yeah. Are, you're right. Technology is evolving at, at such a rate. If you don't adopt it, if you don't figure it out, you're going to be left behind. Um, I like to think that BoodleBox is not overwhelming. Um, there is a lot there. Um, for a person who's never used generative AI, there's no way in their first hour they're going to leverage BoodleBox and every, all of its resources. 
but we try and make the onboarding process as easy as possible. We have a great resource library where everything that you can do on our platform, there is a one to three minute video for available to you to, to walk you through tutorial and let you know what you need to do. But a couple of other features we put in that other generative AI platforms don't have is, and, and I wanna be very careful in what I say here because we're not competing against ChatGPT or Bard or Claude. All of those platforms are available in our platform. So we're not better than them. We're not our own LLM. We are a place that brings together multiple AI so that teams can work with them. Now, what you can't do on many of these other platforms, though, is you can't necessarily see what other people are doing. And so we know there's people who are very creative and they like to share. The social media generation is very much that way. And so there's a public feed there for people who want to put their generative AI work out to the public where they can share it and they can see it. Um, we also have a construct around boxes where people can save the boxes and instead of making them public to everybody, share them just with colleagues or other individuals that they really want to share it with. Um, the big thing, though, is when you get up to that prompt box and you don't know what to type in because you've got 20 years of Google conditioning behind it, mm -hmm. worry about typing a prompt, you can just type in what you want. I need to write a thank you letter to my donor. I need to prepare a grant response to you know this particular grant organization. And it will pop up a series of picking from over almost 1,000 AI helpers that we have built that will then help the person along. So they then start working with the individual and they start asking them questions. So they engage them in a conversation, just like if you needed to fix your computer, what would you do? You'd call IT support and an IT person would come up and they'd start asking, what's wrong with your computer? What did it do? And you would give the responses and then the IT person's gonna go fix it for you, right? Yeah, They're right. Do, these AI helpers are gonna do the same thing. Rather than you needing to learn how to be a prompt engineer, they're there to do that with you. The other big feature, though, is the collaborative feature. Right now, you know, Don, if you do something in, in ChatGPT or Bard or any other platform and you want to share it, what do you have to do? You have to take a screenshot. You have to then send it to your colleague and they get to look at it. And if they want to do what you did, they have to start all over again. Generative AI is supposed to save time, not duplicate time on Teams. And so what we allow you to do is take your conversation, save it, and then share it over to someone. So with a link, just a link, don't need to cut and paste, don't need to take a screenshot. And now that individual can click on it and they can continue the conversation. So in the tool. In the tool. So if you're working on your the, the wonderful Rays conference every year. Oh, thanks for the shout out. <laughs> no, but, and, but you're brainstorming a session, right? Okay. You can go through and start on it and be like, you know what? I really need to pull in someone from my, you know the, the team, and you could then save it, send it over to them, and they can they can then continue the conversation. And and if they then decide, you know what? Someone else needs to take this. They could save it and send it on. That's a feature known as continue chatting, and it lets people take the conversation on. What's really neat and coming next month in March is the ability for co-chatting. So now if you want to brainstorm with your colleagues in you know over the course of several days on a on a particular session at the Rays conference, you can bring them all in as well as all of the AIs that you want involved in the conversation. So if you're brainstorming people, hey, here's our topic, who should we get? And you start going through and you could pull in, you know, here's the five top people we've we've thought about bringing in for this topic. And then you could bring in the uh, event coordinator bot that we have 
to say, hey, who else should we be thinking about? And it could add people. You could bring in the brainstorming bot, say, hey, what questions or what themes should we have this person focus on within this topic? And you can have multiple colleagues all asking these questions all in one conversation, kind of like a Slack and a Zoom meet each other, but with AI I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's like Slack and Zoom meets AI, you know, and they, they all intersect. Um, you know, and, and you're pioneering this, really, because I really feel like a lot of these tools, you said it earlier, they're, they're in silos and we're just getting introduced to them. We're just getting how to, you know, how how to learn, how to work with them, how they could learn, change our mindset from Google, all the things that you said, but you really took this to a workflow efficiency team thinking level for collaboration and efficiency. And it's the two words that I can think of. It's really a very collaboration forward and efficient forward tool for using artificial intelligence productively. How's that? Is that a, is that, how's that for a definition? It's, it's, a great, it's a great summary. And while I'd like to take credit, the reality is the team did it. I appreciate you saying me, but the Boodle team is just a phenomenal team that comes from a diverse background, but has worked together for, for many years now and um, has been able to pull on their separate experiences, um, as well as we're very good at failing fast and getting feedback. And um, so we have many times taken things out and we'll just have a prototype of something and we'll reach out to our various networks and get their feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where that's where we really keyed in in Q1 of last year to the collaboration aspect of it. People were talking about how great it was, but they're like, yeah, but I can't really do anything with my team members on it. Like, this is wonderful. And the other the other thing I, I alluded to earlier is people felt like they were cheating. Like, I don't know if I want to tell my colleagues I'm doing this because am I cheating? Well, if everybody's doing it, it's not cheating, right? If we all have the same tool available to us, we're not cheating and we're superpowering everybody. Why should one person have access to this tool when it could supercharge everybody on the team and be able to do so much more for the organization as a whole? Yeah, you know, that's so funny that you say that. I saw a panel discussion with a teacher where they were talking about specifically ChatGPT, you know, with students. And this one teacher stood up and said, well, number one, we're fooling ourselves if we think students aren't using it. That's number one. Let's just acknowledge it. Number two, um, don't think you can you can figure it out that they are or aren't using it because they're smart. Right. They're, they're you, you don't know for sure if they are or aren't. Yep. We're penalizing them. But should we also penalize them for using spell check? or Grammarly, or those types of tools. And then she said, so I really don't get it. Why don't we teach them how to use it? And then, you know, have to defend it, right? Like in a presentation or um, defend what they wrote so that they're really learning. And after all, isn't that the part of being a teacher so that they're really learning? Well, she, I wish I wish I saved it and because I'm paraphrasing right now and I'm sure I'm not doing a good job, but you get the gist of what I'm it, saying. It. One of the leading voices right now in generative AI is a gentleman named Ethan Mullick. He teaches okay. at Wharton's Business School. He teaches oh, okay. Um, he told he he shared last year that he has designed his course where you cannot possibly pass his course without using generative AI. Good for him. And yeah. He has increased what you have to deliver. Yes, that's that what she was saying. No human being without generative AI could do it. Now, 
he still requires you to learn the fundamentals, demonstrate you know the fundamentals, but then once you get past the fundamentals, leverage generative AI to give you exponential growth in what you do. Yeah. And 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 that's so exactly exciting. what we need to do. We still need to teach kids like and this the same argument was made around calculators way back when. Right, right. Give kids calculators, they'll never learn it. No, you still teach kids the fundamentals, but once they've got the fundamentals down, allow them to use a calculator to do so much more. Right. And that's where generative AI is nascent, right? It's not even 18 months old. Yeah. Has, I mean, it is it is almost a decade old from a research perspective and all of that. But for mass market adoption, it's less than 18 months old. And so, you know, there's the conversations around how people how people are using it. The big conversation, of course, is also the, the bad side of generative AI and what malicious things it can do. And and, you know, when I when I hear people say well, that, so can social media. <laughs> social media is a good and bad to everything. Yeah. And there's a great quote. There's a gentleman named Max Teagmark, who I think that's how you pronounce his name. He wrote a book called Life 3.0, which is kind of the, the involvement of the human machine team or, or working together. But he has a great quote in there where he says, you know, we invented fire and then we really messed it up. And then we created fire extinguishers, fire exits, fire departments, you know, all the things. And, and his point is, there are great tools out there and unchecked, they could cause a lot of damage. But checked, they can provide a lot of power for humanity. We just need to figure out what those checks are. Yeah. The problem is Gen AI is so new, we haven't had a chance to build fire trucks and fire departments and everything else around AI. But we need people and their voices involved to do that. And as you know, one of the big organizations doing that is fundraising AI, which is, uh, you know, been been assembled over the past year. Um, and it's nice and early. You got to applaud them. Right. Yeah. But getting out there and saying, hey, let's put our voices in. Let's not stand on the outside and throw rotten eggs at it. Let's mm -hmm. get involved and make sure our voices are heard so that we, you know, we get to a solution faster and we get to one that works for the industry. Yeah, we have to learn our lessons from social media because social media is also wonderful in so many ways, building connections, connecting people, East Coast, West Coast, all around the world. You know, there's just so many wonderful things about social media, but it also can be a harmful tool as well. So if we get out in front of it earlier, we can protect it better and use it for good use instead of not good use. So, Absolutely. all right. I got a couple questions for you before we have to wrap. So can we get Boodle Box today? Is it, is Absolutely. it, we can. Yes. Yeah. What do we have to do to get it? You just go to Boodle Box and sign up. It's actually, uh, what is it? Boodlebox.ai. Boodlebox.ai. Okay. And you just sign up right online. Yep. Okay. Expensive. And, and by the way, your first month is free. Ooh, so I like it, first month free. First month is free. You don't need to put a credit card down or anything until you figure out that it works for you and you like it. You're that so, confident yeah. about it that you don't even have to put a credit card down, huh? Yeah. Wow. You, you'll, you'll need to create a username and a password, and then you're off to the races. And as I said, wow. whole resource library to kind of walk you through if, if, if I'm wrong and the UI is not super intuitive. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, bluetoothbox.ai, and you can you can have the the world of generative AI at your fingertips. All right. So after my first thirty days, is there pricing on the website, or do I have to talk to somebody, or what? Well, pricing's on the website, and you'll get several emails, uh, you know, shepherding you towards converting onto the platform. Uh, the way we priced it, it's nine ninety nine nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month for up to forty thousand words. 
Um, if you become a super that's user, it, nine ninety nine a month. Wow. And that's where we're in in our in our alpha. The majority of our users were under forty thousand words, and that's why we priced it that way. Okay. There were super users, people who started to figure out how they integrate this on a daily basis. Um, they go up to a hundred thousand words, and we price that at nineteen ninety nine. Um, and then for the it's still reasonable, though. I mean, still, it's not breaking the bank here. It, it's it's the same price as at that point, same price as most other platforms, but you get access to multiple platforms. That's right, right, right. Things is, there's no place you can really go right now where you can have Claude and Llama and Bard and ChatGPT all talk together. Um, so I will often, if I need to generate something, I'll have ChatGPT do the first draft, and then I ask Claude if it can make it better. And Claude tends to get a little persnickety. It might answer with, of course I can, but then it gives you, uh, it gives you an answer. You'll find some of these have a little bit of a personality to them. Wow, that's so funny. You can start arguing with your, you know, with your tool. Yeah. Well, so that's really inexpensive because if you were to have a subscription with ChatGPT or Bard or Llama, that in and of itself would be more expensive than just getting BoodleBox itself. Right. Yeah. Um, and now you're you're uh, going to be available to the world, not just the nonprofit sector. So any team can use yep. BoodleBox, but you kind of are uh, debuting in nonprofit because that is a place that you just know so well and you're so passionate about. It, it is. And it's that's that latter point. It's where my, France, my co-founder and I, I mean, it was the gen, literally genesis of Boodle. Yes. Our frustration around fundraising as board members. Right. And so um, while we are, and you know, we're a for-profit company, we, we have investors, we, we have to, we have to paint a picture of what's, for, you know, going forward. And so when we talk to investors, we let them know very clearly, we are the gen AI for work teams, whether that's a sales team, whether that's an innovation team, whether that's a venture capital team, whatever it may be from two to 250 person team, we are the gen AI for teams. Over the next three to nine months, every marketing dollar we spend, our entire go-to-market effort is focused on the nonprofit community because yeah. we know it's there. We already have sales teams on our platforms. We have the innovation team from a billion-dollar SaaS company on our platform. We have a venture capital team on our platform. We have those teams working. We're just not marketing to them right now. Right. Uh, our marketing focus is going to be for nonprofits right now. Got it. Got it. Okay. So two more questions. Oh. Okay, I want to because you were you were uh, gracious to share stats. I want to share some stats though because yeah. we're talking about what laggards nonprofits typically are. To is a proof point on that I think generative AI is kind of a changer. We have onboarded three te nonprofit teams, full teams, onto our our platform so far, and uh, because they were new, we we wanted to do surveys with them, and so the surveys revolved around how much have you have you tried generative AI at all. Mm -hmm. Have you used generative AI um, on a on a, uh, a regular basis beyond trying it once? And are you using it monthly? 75% um, of every word, all three organizations had tried generative AI. 60% of them used it beyond the first try. And 50% of the people were using it at least monthly. That's a big difference from yes. what other Technologies would have previously in the nonprofit world, so it is you know, skyrocketing. It's it's a data set of three with you know each organization had over thirty people in it, um, but it's a it's a pretty good pretty good yeah good, yeah I, nice I benchmark continue as we work with other organizations. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to ask you for those predictions in just a second. But before we get there and um, wrap up, I want to what's next for Boodle Box? What do you think is coming next? Because you're moving every time I talk to you. I mean, I feel like you were in, you know, you went from alpha to GA in, in you know, <laughs> Like you go to the moon. I mean, it's just like you're 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 a jet. You're I don't know what you are right now. You're just moving fast. It, it's it's continually. I mean, for us, it's going to be finding what the market wants. Okay. Um, you know, my one one thing I'm blessed with, with my co-founder and I is we've never taken our approach of build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we are constantly trying to understand from the market what does the market need, and then building that for the market. Um, as far as big launches for us. Um, this month, February, the month of February, we'll launch the team suite. So right now, everything is geared towards the individual. We'll have a team suite available. So actual teams can log in and have their own private ecosystem. Mm. Um, and then in March, we'll launch the marketplace. So we've already started conversations with a series of middle layer AI companies, uh, um, companies that have you know proprietary data or insights that they want to be able to allow people to engage and have conversation with. And mm-hmm. so... Um, we'll launch that marketplace in March. Wow. So super exciting. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to, cause I think our audience is probably like, get me that boodle box. How do I get it? I'm going to drop the link in the show notes. So you just Please. have to listen to this podcast and go to the show notes and everything to get your own boodle box will be right there. Just click the link and um, we'll make it nice and easy because I think we've got a whole bunch of people in their cars, maybe listening to this podcast on the way to a soccer game. And they're like, where do I get my boodle box from? So we're going to make it nice and easy. All right. Before we wrap up, Sean, predictions, what are you predicting? And then we're going to have you back in December and see sure. if those predictions came through. Came true. So some of the some of the things I think you see, and and l- let me take give an example of where things really progressed. Um, and, and it is because of an announcement that was made this week. So Runway AI is a company that does text to video, and when they launched, I think it was last, it was like a year ago, I think they launched. Um, it was novel. I could type words in and video uh, appeared. It was kitschy. It was nothing you would use publicly, but it was just neat. Um, fast forward to December. They were getting to a point where companies could potentially build commercials with it, with, with their technology in oh less than 12 goodness. months. Yesterday or this week, OpenAI announced uh, their new text to image generation, and it blows everything out of the water. I mean, it is phenomenal. Of course it, it does. Yeah. Quality and what they've done. Wow. And that's all in 12 months. So um, there are things we may talk about here. If it takes you more than two weeks to publish it, it may be old news. But um some of the things I think you'll see right now, one of the big things you see is that um, if you're in chat GPT or, or anything else and you're carrying a conversation on, um, after about 10 queries down, it starts to forget what's above. Oh. And it, does, it doesn't remember that. Context doesn't stick. Um, one of the big things I think you'll see is the ability to keep context for as long as you want. So that okay. you can start to build knowledge and get to a true... AI is supposed to learn. It's supposed to get smarter. And so if you want to do that within a particular conversation, I definitely think before the end of the year, you'll be able to do that. Um, I think, well, you know, you'll see, I already mentioned the ability to, in a chat, be able to include your colleagues and AI together. That is not out there in any place whatsoever. It'll be out there by next month. Um what are some of the other neat things that I think you'll see? Um, the uh, the ability to do better access to 
the data that you have. So organizations right now, the data aspect is a very hard one. We actually went down the road of trying to figure out how to do it. and Like integrating data, data into your chat, into your in, into AI tool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, AI. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to end up partnering with an organization that that, that has, has um, found a way to do it very, very well. Before the end of the year, your nonprofit fundraisers, if they wanted to, will be able to load their CRM data into a generative AI solution and engage it in a conversation. So rather than having to go through and do queries and run reports, simply typing in, who are my top five fundraisers? Or who are my 100 monthly givers? And then asking them to build a profile for each one of them and then build a unique personalized email to each one of them and then create oh, a photo wow. that can go in the email uh, that's specific to that individual. And all of a sudden, in minutes, you have a hundred personalized email to your hundred monthly givers that you can send out. Well, mic drop right there because that's where we know we need to go as nonprofits. We need to segment, meet the donor where they are and give them that personal communication, which for-profit is doing a a little bit better job of than we are. And it's going to build the trust that we've lost and increase that connection so that we could increase the impact. Oh my God, I'm mind blown. Sean, I know I'm going to see you in September, Rays. I hope you're going to be there with us. Um, But uh, we have a date. In December, I saved that we're recording. You know that this is going to go live. I am going to take your predictions and all of our questions. We're going to compare stats and we're going to see where we are. So will you come back and join me in December? I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited too. And I can't wait to see where Boodle Box is going to go. And for all of you listening out there, just check the show notes, click the link get your own boodle box. So fearless fundraisers, that's all about all we have time for today. I wish we can keep talking about this. It's so much fun, but thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. That's Thursdays, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. And you can follow the channel that you like best because we're everywhere. We stream on 10 different channels and we're on demand at onecause.com. But when you follow us, now you can get notifications about all of our new guests. And if you're a fundraiser and you would like to be on the show, just send me an email. Hello at onecause.com. I'd love to put a spotlight on your mission and talk about about how you're impacting our communities. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use digital fundraising solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out, onecause.com. Please visit the resource tab on the homepage. There is a broad catalog of free content that I hopefully you'll find helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guest, Sean Olds from Boodle, uh, for sharing just... Um, insights on everything AI, um, where we're going, where we're at, and how you can use it too. Sean, thank you so much for being with us today. So enjoy all of our conversations. Any last words of inspiration for our audience? Don, just really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And, uh, you know, the only word of inspiration is try it. Uh, you know, whether it's Box, it's ChatGPT, it's Bard, whatever, whatever it may be your interest area, you have a fiduciary responsibility to the donor dollars you bring in to be operating in the most efficient way. And this will absolutely help you as a fundraiser to be more efficient, effective in what you do and help your organization's mission. 
Well, spoken like a true board member right there. <laughs> but why try them? Why try them individually when you can just try Boodle Box? Like I don't, I you know. Yeah. Okay. I agree. <laughs> well, Mr. Holt, thank you again very much. That is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. Thank you.